Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Dragon Drop Show, an original podcast series by Bannersnack. In this episode, we talk with Jeremy Moritz from Absolute Elix. Brand and Digital Director, Jeremy is responsible for the development and execution of the premium brand's integrated marketing plans. Our host, John Biggs, takes Jeremy to a very interesting discussion starting from how to tell a story as a brand to how to know what's working best in marketing. But that's not all. Jeremy also speaks about what's important for a marketing campaign success and, at the end of the day, how to stay relevant in highly competitive markets. Now, let's drag and drop some ideas and knowledge from this episode. I'm joined today by uh, Jeremy Moritz. He's a brand director for Absolute Elix, which is a uh, which is a high-end Absolute vodka, which sounds uh, delicious. Uh, welcome, Jeremy. Hey, welcome. Thanks for having me. How much uh, how much vodka do you get to have during the day? Um, actually, not that much. <laughs> uh, only only like uh, after hours. Okay, good. So tell me a little bit about uh, tell me a bit about what you do there. You're a brand director, so you're in uh, you're in charge of the look and feel of the uh, the entire product. Yes, I'm in charge of uh, of the brand for the U.S. market. So we do have a global team based in Sweden. Uh, so Sweden is the the motherland of uh, of Absolute Vodka, and uh, and I'm in charge of uh, you know uh, selling selling the brand, finding the right consumers, and uh, telling our story uh, in the U.S. How do you do that? How do you tell a uh, how do you tell a unique story? Uh, I mean, it's a Swedish story, right? Um, and I think Absolute has done an excellent job over the decades, quite literally, in getting people interested in the product. But how do you tell a story of an upgraded version of the product? Um, good point, especially since you know it's uh, it's vodka, and uh, and many people might have like uh, preconceived ideas of uh, you know flavorless, odorless vodka. Uh, especially in the U.S., where it's like uh, the biggest market in the world. So I think the the starting point is that we created Elix not just to have a high-end vodka because you know um, uh, other brands uh, are out there, but also because there was a distillery in Sweden, like the the old distillery from Absolute that haven't been used for decades, and and our master distiller said, hey, I think we should we can really make like a a new product, more craft product, like, uh, um, and and that really helped to shape not only the product but also the story because it's uh, uh, like handmade for real. So that's the kind of like the tagline we're using right now because there are so so many so-called handmade products that mm-hmm. we, we wanted to call out that we have no computers in the distillery. It's all made by hand, um, and and absolute as a as a great story overall. Uh, not only with the the way it's done, but also like the the I would say the uh, uh, sustainable practices that we have, uh, and and that's something that the Absolute brand overall has been talking about because they they are all about the planet Earth's favorite vodka, um, which again is very very timely. Um, but Absolute as a whole, like the the distillery is like uh, 98% carbon neutral. Uh, we recycle even the, the CO2 from the uh, the fermentation uh, to uh, give it to like a soda factory next to um, uh, to the distillery, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and everything is really like uh, uh, sought after. So so that's that's the start of a good story when you can talk about the product and just and you can say more than just tasting notes and uh, and uh, and and how it's made. It's like the whole thing. We, what we say is that from seed to bottle. We thought about everything, 
And uh, and then I think the add-on for Absolute Helix is the the lifestyle of the brand. So we we uh, we created like a, a whole universe. Uh, we have an experience in Sweden where you go to like an old blacksmith to have a dinner. Then you go in the woods and we put like literally like a, a container in the woods that we transform into a bar. Um, in the US, our CEO lives uh, in uh, in uh, Hollywood in uh, in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and and he he basically built or decorated his house as the brand. So uh, we between ourselves we call that the Elix House, but we have our own wallpaper. Um, uh, we have our own even like um, drinking vessel. So we designed uh, like you may have seen like a pineapple drinking vessel in some bars. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so we started that, um, and then now we have like a whole zoo of uh, of drinking vessels like flamingos and owls and and, and rabbits and turtles, and we're even selling them uh, to our website called elixboutique.com, and and it's been a huge success. Like we've sold like more than five thousand units of what is at the beginning like you know really high end merchandising. Mm. So. This is going to be interesting, especially for uh, for Bannerstack folks, the the users. How do you how do you do what you did without too much money, right? I mean, obviously, Absolute has a has a pretty big budget for all this stuff. What do you do first? What do you look at in terms of in terms of story, in terms of branding, and what's what's the simplest and cheapest way to get started uh, down that down that thing down that path? Sure, and and yes, Absolute is a big brand, but funny enough. Elix um, has almost been set up from uh, from the inception as a as a startup uh, within the the, the, the franchise because uh, the our CEO uh, Jonas Stalin was also the CMO of Panorama in the US came to the US five years ago and and, and started like a like a SWAT team uh, of people and and really uh, adopted that mindset of uh, of like you know uh, like uh, lean growth in a way. So you really start, uh, you know, by the the base of, uh, of course, the bars and the bartenders are always where you start. But in terms of of marketing, um, it, it was a lot of like uh, uh, intimate experiences, dinners. Uh, but then you can reuse the content, uh, obviously, for uh, online and sharing the stories. Um, our merchandise actually has been a great way to uh, connect with influencers very early on. So because we had that, it was kind of like a, we call that like a copper currency, so that mm-hmm. we could, uh, you know, give give that away to uh, some influencers to start getting coverage. So it was really about building like close communities of like bartenders, artists uh, in LA and in New York. Because um, when we started, uh, our CEO was living in New York and he had also like uh, he decorated his apartment as the brand and hosted a lot of people. So it was a way. It was also our office. So we kind of like used everything we had to host, create content, um, and and at the end of the day, then the team was small. So we had to find a way to also automate uh, some kind of like content creation, content iteration. But we literally did everything internally and learn. You know, we we had time. We had we had more time than we had budget, so mm-hmm. we we kind of like explored everything we could do uh, by ourselves or with tools that that can help us to could just like unleash more creativity. 
So that's actually an interesting point. So you basically took the you took the events that you ran um, at at different houses, and and I s- presumably you don't have to buy a uh, buy special um, wallpaper to make something your own event, and then you got and then you created uh, content around that. So Instagram stuff, uh, uh, social content, that sort of thing, or was there something uh, something more specific that you guys were thinking? No, I mean, that was a lot of social content for sure. I mean, Instagram has been like our, our lead social channel because we're so visual and, and we're still building the brand. So that was key for us. Uh, but also, I guess, you know, to to uh, record interviews, uh, whether it was for internal stuff or external stuff, basically it gives us like a platform where, you know, you don't have uh, uh, to rent uh, so many even, even spaces and stuff. So... So I think that was for us uh, like a like a all-in-one all uh, way of, of working, uh, and then we had like kind of like smart ways to create iterations of the content and uh, and 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 put it out there. Mm-hmm. What do you do in terms of uh, design? How do you how do you create a unified design uh, aesthetic throughout the whole brand? So I think we're lucky as a brand where our global director, she's also our creative director. So I think that's uh, probably that's the way it should be in general, that, you know, the, the you should have your creative director in-house. Um, and uh, her name is Miranda Dixon, and she, she's been in the in the vodka industry for uh, decades. And, uh, and she has an eye, a very good eye for uh, everything creative. So she created the whole universe and... And probably she's designed like the most complete set of guidelines that I've ever seen uh, with details of like uh, almost like the kind of pillows you should get to an event. Uh, and and the, the, she created special fonts and stuff. So we were pretty lucky that she, she spent a lot of time designing the foundations. And therefore, um, then we had the freedom in a way to uh, create our, um, uh, our own uh, versions of that. Uh, internally and uh, and externally, but but also like since we were a, boot, a bit bootstrap, we we used uh, platforms like um, like Banner Snack uh, and 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 other kind of like video platforms to design our own ads and pieces of content uh, at the at the beginning because that was a way for us to save time and also to to test a lot of different things very very fast. What do you do? How do you know what works? Uh, what are some of your some What are some of your metrics? So, say you had two banners or two two pieces of content. How do you know what works best? What are you guys looking for? So, I think uh, it's always depend of like you know what's the objective. If we look at uh, sales, so whether we want to drive to some uh, indirect e-commerce platforms or to our elixboutique.com website, we would really look at uh, the click-through rate and and even the conversion rate. So, because then the if the content uh, puts the consumer in the right mood, it should impact the conversion rate as well. So, so that was more for like conversion. And then, if we want to drive conversation engagement, uh, I think we we'll look more um, not at the at the likes, but more like the the engagement overall. So, is it being shared? Is it being commented? Is it is it provoking a reaction? I think that's uh, that's the the thing. Like if you if you're not in the conversion mode. I think you want to trigger reaction and conversation because at the end of the day, if people talk about your brand, uh, it's 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 because the content has triggered something. What? How do you how do you separate out the uh, sort of the hard 
quantitative aspects of a lot of this stuff with the artistic side of the thing. Uh, I mean, not everything can be hard numbers, right? How do you, how do you figure out where, where that starts and stops? Um, I think it has to be numbers at the end. Um, um, I know it might, uh, it might uh, be an issue for, for all the <laughs> people out there. But I think if you're clear on, you know, what is your brand, so basically what, you, what is your canvas and, uh, and, and where you can go, uh, then it gives you like a, a way to test different uh, layouts and, uh, and, and photos and, 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 and colors. Uh, but if you're clear, you know, you, you, you have some kind of limits out there. And then it's, it's all about the, is it resonating with consumers? Because uh, the, you know, it's, uh, the ideal situation is when your, I would say creative juice is, uh, um, uh, aligning with what consumers wants to see. So, you know, uh, at one point, if we have, uh, I don't know, like a call to action and we test five and we have five different colors we can use, then let's test the five and, and, and take the best one. Mm -hmm. I think where we put the limit is that if if uh, we wouldn't say hey let's put like a bright red or a bright green uh just because we've read in an article that it's the best performing call to action i think that we would not do that because we still want to keep it branded and uh, and keep the brand universe so that's the, that's kind of like the limit but at the end of the day since we're spending money uh you know for ads and stuff sure you need a way to make a, a decision. So again, it's uh, and there are so many combinations you can do. I mean, uh, there there are uh, now a lot of uh, of, uh, of tech platforms or even um, new new kind of agencies where you know they can produce literally 200 pieces of content in a week by uh, using your existing um, existing content. Because if you have let's say you know 10 photos. And, and five taglines and five different CTAs, and you start to mix all of these, that's already a lot of combinations that you can test. Hmm. So, so, I mean, I think it's pretty interesting because uh, from, from, from a designer's viewpoint, and I, I, we actually talked about this with uh, some other designers. From a designer's viewpoint, they, they, there's the idea of the, the art here, but you're, uh, you're extremely pragmatic. You basically work within a universe of color and design, et cetera. And then, um, and then add in the, and then, and then work and then work within the budget, uh, within that universe. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at our level, we're still like a small brand. So mm -hmm. we do have a, to optimize a lot and, and creativity is still important, but, but I think we don't have, you know, the, the, the budgets to go for like, huge emotional emotional pieces like you know dove uh, or nike or this kind of stuff and also because uh, not enough people would see it to trigger a reaction we don't have like the budgets or the the mm. the, the awareness to do that so so i think w creativity is still important but but i think at the end of the day uh, it's also adapting to uh, to consumers i mean if you look at uh, what Netflix is doing, they're still big and they're all about creativity because they're promoting creative uh, shows and movies. Uh, in the way they do their ad, they also tested uh, like the intro, the outro, uh, the types of, uh, of act the, the actors they're showing and they're doing the same. They're like, uh, I think for Game of Thrones, I saw a case study where they were showing that, you know, uh, uh, Daenerys was more successful in the movies than uh, other actors. So they probably 
put more weight in showing Daenerys, and maybe uh, they show they they they've seen that having an intro doesn't help, and they uh, cut the intro and only let the outro. So so I think it doesn't uh, prevent you from being creative. It's just that you need to have a kind of like a bank of assets uh, of creative assets and then play with it. I think it's a uh, uh, another good example I remember is, uh, you know, Adidas during the last Soccer World Cup. I think they told me that they shot probably like thousands of uh, of photos and videos from, you know, all the players, all the teams, and, and they had different moods like celebrating or, or being disappointed or happy. And, and at the end of the day, they, they did that because then they could react in real time to, you know, what was happening during the games. But I think their output was that they only use something like five or ten percent of the assets they shot, because that 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 that's what happens. So they they plan for everything and then they adapted based on what was happening and what was working. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to uh, to create within a larger corporation? Uh, I mean, you basically have you basically have the absolute brand, but how do you create a sub brand? What's the what are the best practices there? Um. I think when you create a sub-brand, um, I think you need to be very clear in terms of what is your relationship with the bigger brand. Uh, of course, that that's key because it's a franchise, so uh, uh, we share the same values, the same same production uh, uh, process at the beginning, the same terroir, as we say in French. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think that is uh, again having a clear purpose, clear relation to the master brand. Uh, that is key. Um, and, and then it, it's really, uh, uh, I think what I like, uh, you know, at Pernorica is that it's very entrepreneur, uh, in terms of mindset. So we had really like, a, a lot of freedom to, uh, test our own stuff to also, we didn't have to work with the big agencies that probably some other brands are working with. So we were working with smaller agencies and freelancers and, uh, um, I mean, to give you an example, like the elixboutique.com shop, I, I did the setup by myself on Shopify, which is an oh, wow. <laughs> amazing, amazing platform to, to, to sell online. Then um, we did the design of the, of the site with a, uh, an English freelancer based in uh, Berlin, Germany for a few thousand bucks. Uh, and then I'm working with a freelancer to uh, like do a conversion rate optimization and, and uh, some design improvements based uh, in, uh, in Amsterdam, Portuguese guy based in Amsterdam. And I'm doing the email marketing with a team of two people based in Seattle that I've never met. So hmm. um, I think it's a, a w- Internally, we're a good example of probably what, like you know, marketing is becoming. So something more agile, uh, probably with the less, like you know, big uh, legacy agencies that are doing everything. And uh, sometimes you need uh, bigger agencies for creative juice or some specific production. But but I think now it's uh, you have to use a hybrid model. Hmm. That's that sounds like a sounds like you're a little startup, but you're within this uh, this big company. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jeremy, thank you for this. This is uh, this has been really fascinating. It's it's interesting to hear uh, how the uh, how the big guys do it, and uh, and I think there a lot of what you said is is applicable for uh, for smaller folks starting out. Oh sure, um, I think you know uh, uh, whatever the size, you should always start. You know, like uh, 
uh, with what you can do by yourself, uh, be smart about it, uh, and basically push back the time where you're going to start to spend money. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> because at least also you're covering the basics of like, you know, even SEO and content. Uh, sometimes people forget about this, and I see that in the big brands uh, where it's happening a lot. So, um, so starting with the basics uh, is, always, uh, is always a good choice. Um, I mean, and even now, like if you look uh, again, I'm, I'm talking about Banner Snack, but I, I've started to use Banner Snack because we had, you know, a set of different ads um, and, and we've been asked to kind of like localize it um, and also produce whatever, like 15 or 20 different uh, uh, formats. And mm -hmm. normally the other brands would go to our internal content studio and ask for it, but it has a cost. Um, and I've shown it, we've done it, and I've shown it to uh, the other brand teams, and they're like, okay, so actually in a click and maybe a few tweaks, you can uh, create 20 banners out of one design. Uh, and we're like, okay, uh, th that sounds like a good idea that's going to save us time. Um, because especially in the US, like you're trying to serve, uh, you know, 50 states, uh, almost each state is almost like a different country. And everybody wants like localized and everybody wants their own format. So I think that's, um, again, there's probably like a, a tool to help you to do anything today. So again, we always say like Google is your best friend, but literally like uh, uh, if, if you want to uh, find ways to like to, to do shortcuts. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I call that being lazy smart. So okay. I, because I'm a bit lazy, so I always try to, uh, to you know, uh, find ways to do things faster, but uh, it's probably less effort than uh, doing everything manually. What's your What's your favorite absolute uh, cocktail? Um, I'm pretty classic, so I would say the Elix Martini uh, with Lille Blanc is my go-to. So instead of using vermouth, you're us using the Lille Blanc, um, uh, which is a, a fortified wine uh, from sure. France. And uh, and uh, and that's a pretty good way to uh, to start your night. Ah, beautiful! Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for joining us. This has been fun. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, merci. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Drop podcast. For more interviews, go to blog.bannersnack.com or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor.fm, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you liked this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or leave us an Apple podcast review. That's it. Until next time, have a fantastic week.